Presented by CDE Light Band. Each week we take you on off speed athletics department, occasionally at OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE and thanks to you listeners. I'm Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top ranked off speed podcast, within one of whom is queued up with nowhere to go. That'd be me. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? <laughs> I have been significantly better. Uh, it's, it's me and the three year old in a decently sized hotel room, but we are already all over each other's stuff as we uh, as we isolate to, day two. to remain to remain non COVID y. Yeah. It happens. Apparently yes it does. Apparently it does. We begin this week with the discussion of our men's basketball program. And I think if the mentions are any indication that there is a significant level of concern among some vocal minority on Twitter about the how the season is going so far. And you know what? Can't everybody I, in the league except Belmont say that? That was going to be my first point. My second point was going to be we still have Terry Taylor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. E- easy does it on the panic button, everybody. We have the greatest basketball player the school's ever seen. Officially now, shout out to everybody that told us we were wrong when we did that this summer. That's something I want to address too. All we, we, should, we who, need to address that. Who got after us this summer for ranking Terry third on the greatest govs list, even though he still had a year to play. Hey, hey guess where did, what? Where did me and you have him on our list though? Uh, I know had him I one. Had him. You had him one. I think I had him two just because I wanted to see what might happen, you know, this year not that i thought he was gonna like completely fall off the table and have five games play five games and score five points and that'd be that i just didn't know that that little bit of unknown couple with the fact that i remember the bubble wells stuff from bubble was an event basically it kind of transcended basketball at the time that was kind of the only reasons i still have bub at one but no you can't (laughs) Spurious, spurious arguments that I might have made. This is me taking a victory, a victory lap on everybody else for being right. Yeah, spurious arguments abound. But we got Terry Taylor, mm-hmm. and as long as Terry Taylor's putting that all speed across his chest for every game, I am not going to panic or worry about anything. Once tournament time comes, it'll, it'll be fine. That's the thing is – Everything like the regular season matters in so much as seeding and everything else, but unless something were to happen and the OVC were to knock off the tournament to just send the regular season champ as the auto bid, which some leagues are doing, I haven't heard any kind of talk about the OVC doing it. 
I wouldn't think they would do it as that is traditionally a pretty important event on the OVC calendar. Yeah, I don't think they can contractually do that. Um, I don't, I don't know the ramifications of that. Honestly, it's it's all it's all a mystery. Not a mystery. Terry Taylor, amazing at basketball, as he displayed again last week in earning his record-breaking 16th OVC Player of the Week honor and becoming the third player in OVC history and the first governor to earn the U.S. Basketball Writers Association weekly honor. Yeehaw. Good stuff. Good stuff on the same week that he broke the school scoring record. Jay Taylor, pretty great. Pretty great. No, he's, good. he's good. He's good at the hooping. He is pretty good at the hooping. Good at the golfing. The Austin men's golfers who got out onto the course for the first time in about a year and walked away with a pretty decisive match play win against West Kentucky. We've got some guys that had some big, big, big butt kickings out there. Um, Garrett Whitfield, seven and six. Did you know seven and six was a possibility? I didn't. I did not think I you could do seven and six. I feel like Tiger's done that to like some poor, poor soul at the Ryder Cup, but like, not not normal golfers, not not even golfers like at Garrett Whitfield's level, which is he's a good golfer, but like that's not a thing. Like you, like it's, oh it's hard to beat another Division One golfer as a Division One golfer seven and six. I feel like it, it is. It is quite dominant. Is. Like I said, I, I can't remember anybody ever doing that. Except Chase Cordy got a win, five and three. Austin Lancaster got a win, four and three. These were uh, sizable, sizable. But Bussy and Bussy and Jordan Rodriguez both three and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, was a, it was a good old time. It was a good old time for the governors. I oh, also, um, I learned something for jargon <laughs> after this one i was looking and i was like seven and six that's enough of a butt kicking that it could have it could have its own like fun golf lingoy name winning seven and six in match play is called a dog license a dog license a dog license and here is why in great britain until 1987 dog owners bought a license for their pet which cost seven and six seven and six what like 37 pence i don't know i don't know it's english but it's enough of beating it has its own nickname my boy g wit dog license people shout out to johnson city jc's finest went out and dog licensed an old boy you come out you come out and you play golf against the boys from jc you're going to get dog license just what happened <laughs> What's it? What's it called when uh, the volleyball program uh, smacks around its first opponent in over a year? It's called bust out the brooms. I mean, wash, rinse, and repeat. Often be volleyball. Just back to taking names. Two two dump truckings against Tennessee Tech. You were there. I was not. Set the scene. Uh, so the guns rolled out. I mean, it's good to see them take care of a team that we know we're better than. Because Austin P, we know we're better. Than, we we were a good volleyball program. We know we're we should beat these teams, and to not mess around and go to five sets was very nice to see. The guns handled their business. Three zero win. Three zero win. Uh, I wouldn't say any of the sets were particularly outlandish blowouts like dog licensing. 
dog licensing, but I mean, 25, 21, just about each set, I think. And uh, so what, what would the equivalent score for a dog license be in volleyball for a set? It'd be like 25, 11, 20, right? Yeah. Like a 25, 11, but we'll yeah, just, uh, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see them come out and just take care of business. Strong start. Don't want to mess around with these teams you should beat. And uh, they didn't six straight set wins, two wins, two and out. Tennessee state this weekend, Tennessee state this weekend. Um, usually a pretty fair win for the Govs, but TSU was pretty good last weekend. I thought I saw they had somebody win a player of the week on her. I, they did have a player of the week on her. I don't remember which one it was. And I don't, I cannot tell you what the volleyball standings look like, but I'm pretty sure they won. Well, good for them. Good for the women's basketball program back with a vengeance on also against TSU also against TSU. On Tuesday is it Tuesday what day is it today's Tuesday. Wednesday it was yeah, I'm, it was on I'm Tuesday. all I'm all I'm all backwards anyway yes yeah women's basketball uh Govs had eight players and they out rebounded TSU 50 to 30 um 50 to 30 is a lot <laughs> second time this season the Govs have hit the half century mark on the boards uh that's a pretty good number I think they've been I'll tell you what they are not the biggest team in the OVC by any stretch, and they don't play with a particularly big lineup, um, especially when a lot of times Maggie Knowles is your forward. She's more of a guard than a forward. But they have been dominating people on the glass recently. Just, I mean, they've been throwing want to. some plus 20, some plus 18. I think they had a plus 21 against somebody. And they've just been getting after on the glass, and especially doing that with eight players yesterday. Shout out to those eight because that was a – a valiant, a valiant effort to play. The, fo- after the 15, photos were kind of funny. Days. Yeah, I mean, they, they had 15 days off. They came back. TSU's not one of the better teams in the league by any stretch of the imagination. But they went out there. They got a win. Uh, they had a bigger lead than they won by at the end of the third quarter. But I mean, the 50 to 30 rebounded. Boy. You'll take that. You, you win a lot of ball games that way. You're not going to – yeah, you're not going to beat yourself that way. You can also win a lot of ball games if you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, apparently, as we come to the end of our look back. Super Bowl victory number seven for Tom Brady, who's the greatest of all time and no longer up for debate. Did you see him throw the Lombardi trophy across boat to boat in the bay today? I did. Did you see Gronk uh, having to (laughs) hold him upright as they were walking away from the boat parade? Yeah, that, there's another video where he's walking fine. So I'm not sure if that was just Gronk laying on him and being all over Tom or if it was actually because Brady quote tweeted it and said a little too much avocado tequila. Which seems on brand. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think I'll keep my avocados uh, in, in the guac. The guac, yes. In the guac. I think we said last week that we considered that Tampa was going to keep it close, closer than most people were predicting. The Chiefs' tackles being out sure did make a difference. The Chiefs' entire O-line being decimated. I mean, the best plays, the the defining plays of that Super Bowl probably aren't anything the Bucs did. They're Mahomes spinning away from four different – Perspective sack guys, 
and then getting completely parallel to the ground to flick a ball into the end zone that bounced off Daryl Williams' face. Right. Yeah. No. No. You're you're very much right. So, no more NFL football for a while. But you know what we what kind of football we are going to have? Governor football coming up in about two weeks. Woo! Woo! Oh boy, it's going to be a good time and a party. Party and a good time. Also a good time and a party. Talking to Riley Flinch, which is what I got to do this week for our interview. And we will have that for you right after this. Waking up in my college dorm. Yeah, my life, it was pretty normal. Looking for a date to the spring form. I wasn't worried about nothing else, no. Majoring in undecided notebook full of bad songs I was writing. Never dreamed anybody else would like them. Now they're sitting on a Walmart shelf. Ain't it funny how life changes? You wake up, ain't nothing the same in life. Changes. Our next guest needs no introduction. the newest member of our academic and student athlete development staff. Not quite two years into the job, but she quickly has become an indispensable part of the staff and has helped lead Austin to some of its most successful semesters in spite of all of everything that's happened over the last year. Riley Plange, welcome to the PCAST. Thank you. Riley, where are you from? I'm originally from Washington, New Jersey, which is a really small town 15 minutes from the Pennsylvania border. And how did you wind up here? Well, I made a few stops along the way. So I did my undergrad at Penn State where I started working with student athlete academic support services. And then I got an internship after I graduated at University of Kentucky for a year. And then I went and got my master's and was a GA at University of South Carolina where our director, Katie Etheridge, worked for 10 years before she got here. So once I graduated and was looking for a job, we knew a lot of similar people and everyone said how great she was. So I was like, of course I'll come here and join her. So Katie brought me here and the number one thing I wanted was a great work atmosphere with the people I work with. And I definitely have got in it. It couldn't be any better. They're not here. You don't have to lie. If it's bad, like, <laughs> twice, and we'll figure out a way to save you from this. Uh, they can definitely tell you that I love them a lot. I think I say it more than they want to hear it. <laughs> I just like to be excited about little things. I'm like, I love you guys so much. <laughs> you have the distinction of having quite possibly one of the worst injury histories I've ever heard of. You got three concussions in one basketball game? Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Even though, so January 5th, it happened 11 years ago, which is just so crazy. Um, and concussions are really on the forefront of the news right now. But 11 years ago, it was kind of like not, it was on the cusp of it becoming more of a bigger deal. So I was playing basketball at an away game and so my athletic trainer wasn't there 
And so, yeah, I fell on my head three times. Um, a lot of people are like, how does that happen in basketball? But I was super aggressive. <laughs> um, defense was my specialty. So I was always going after the ball. So um, the first concussion, I was going up and someone hit me for when I was going up for a rebound. And so I fell down and hit my head. The second time I was sliding out of bounds um, for a loose ball and hit my head on the stands because they were really close to the out of bounds line. And then the last time I was going up for a rebound and this girl just shoved me. And so I fell flat on my back and then I couldn't get up. Um, so their trainer had to come over and that's when it became pretty obvious that something severe had happened. So they knew at that moment that I probably had a concussion because like I was really dizzy and the lights were really blurry, but it wasn't until a while after that, that they figured out that I must have had three concussions in that game since I hit my head three times because I just kept not getting better and had to be taken out of school for a long time. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, good gosh, the the long-term effects does this is this something that still can affect you in your day-to-day -day? yeah so um i've gone to a lot of doctors and specialists and no one has come up with the same name for it so i just call it a permanent concussion because it pretty much sums up what it feels like to me so since it happened 11 years ago, it's almost been half of my life. So I don't really remember life beforehand too much. Um, just because I've gotten really used to having headaches a lot. Sometimes they're worse than others. So that's why I really prioritize sleep. Because if I don't get a lot of sleep, then my headaches are a lot worse. Um, light really bothers me. So I wear sunglasses, even when it's really not that bright outside. And loud noises um, can really affect me. I have a weird memory. So I am constantly writing things down and have sticky notes so that I don't forget important things. And so I've kind of honed in these skills over time just to help compensate. So a lot of people don't even notice that there's something different, but sometimes just it takes me a second to process things, especially if I'm having like a bad uh, head day. So yeah, there's just a lot of random stuff. I think the biggest thing I forget often is I just didn't have a normal high school um, experience just because this happened in January of my sophomore year. And so after that, I went to school for about two weeks and then they were like, yeah, you're pretty bad off. So they took me out of school and I couldn't do any schoolwork or go to school for six weeks. And then they tried to put me back in school and that didn't really work out too well. So they took me out for the rest of my sophomore year. So I was tutored at home for a little bit. Um, and then it took me a long time to finish those classes for sophomore year. And then junior year, I only went to school for half days. And then senior year, I um, they put me in two study halls. And then I didn't take any AP classes so that I could go to school full time. So it was just not the average high school experience. I mean, 
No, no. That, <laughs> it's been a minute for me in high school, but no, that is not how it worked, I don't think. Yeah, so sometimes I forget that that's not average. <laughs> the, I mean, that ended your your playing career basically on the spot, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I was a teenager, so um, if this were to happen to me now, I feel like I would have, like, the knowledge and emotional intelligence to realize that I couldn't ever play a contact sport competitively again. But since it happened when I was 16, I was like, no, this would never, like, next year it was always like next year I'll be able to play and I would call I like looked up doctor's numbers online and I hate like calling people (laughs) it's just something about me so I would call after hours and leave a message and be like hi I've had a few concussions you know if you think you could clear me to play sports like that would be awesome call me back at this number (laughs) so my biggest thing was Yes. You're just leaving messages asking doctors, hey, would you mind committing a little medical malpractice for me, please? <laughs> yes, at the time, it seemed very reasonable to me because I was like, I'll be fine. Like, I was just very much like very reckless and like, no, I'll be fine. I'm not in school, but I can definitely play basketball. Like, I know I can do that. So that was like as rebellious as I was in high school, that was like my rebellion period. Like whenever anyone asked me, cause obviously people in school thought it was really weird. So they were like, when are you playing again? Cause I would still go and see my trainer after uh, school each day, just so that I could see people. And then he did like concussion rehab with me. So um, people in the training room would ask what was going on and I'd be like oh next year I'll be on the court like it'll be fine so then it got to senior year where I couldn't stay next year I was like yeah I'm pretty much done (laughs) when did you make that I guess come to that realization that like okay this is probably it and then started channeling your energy into all right what's next yeah so it definitely wasn't like an on-off switch. It was a very big process. When I first went to college, I wanted to be a nurse for people, um, for kids with cancer. Um, And then I quickly realized that just because of how my brain works, the night shift just wasn't gonna work for me. So, and when you're a nurse, that's typically what you have to start doing and working like 12 hour shifts which I didn't think would be possible at the time for me. So I switched and was like, I mean, I still considered myself an athlete, even though I hadn't competed in such a long time. And so I was obviously still grappling with that. And so I was like, you know, I bet there's a way I can still like be a part of athletics and not be on the competitive side because it was also really, really difficult for me to watch games. I was always like the scorekeeper and I would just get like really emotional sometimes because it's like they're out there playing and I can't be out there. And sometimes as a teenager, I was like, they don't even realize like how lucky they are to that they're able to play and like, I want so bad to be out there. 
So I like started Googling things as like, oh, like there's this academic and life skills side where you can help students as they transition. So at first I started out in like the life skills, like helping students after they have um, graduated and are moving on from their sport because that was such a big thing to me. And then eventually it led me to the academic advising piece, which I ended up falling in love with and the rest is history. The adjustment to life after competition, you being able to guide athletes through that with your experience, how much do you think that helps them? Um, I think that just I'm able to help them more because I have gone through it myself. And so I think students who it's a natural um, just like graduating and then moving on, I don't relate to as well. I find that students who are injured, I can relate to and help a little bit better just because I went through that and I know what helped me and what didn't help me. But even just the regular transition of graduating from college and moving on, I just think it's such an important time to realize I think that I thought I was nothing if I wasn't an athlete. So just that like black and white thinking. So helping, I try for all four, five, six years that I'm with everyone to help them realize that they are so much more in an, than an athlete in a positive way. Like, yes, identify as an athlete, but you are also like intelligent. You are good at this and that, like telling them what they're good at so that they are not terrified when it comes to that point when you can't do it anymore. How did your time at Penn State shape you? Because I think judging from your social media, Happy Valley is a, a place that you hold near and dear. Yes, so I love Penn State so much and they have shaped me into the person that I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, I have seven best friends who I um, got out of that experience and we all lived together in my senior year. So eight girls in one place, but it was amazing. <laughs> and yes, Penn State has shaped me so much. So the guys that I worked with there, um, I still keep in contact with because they are the ones who taught me the most because I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so I just dove straight in. And um, so one of the first students that I worked with, he, when I moved to Kentucky, wrote me a note about um, how much I helped change his life. And so that was really instrumental in me because, you know, life has its ups and downs. So in the downs, I would just think of that, like, if I can help change just one person's life, that is a big difference to me. So just knowing that I may not know what's going on, but just helping change people. And at Penn State, um, the people that I worked with there were just really good at instilling good values in me and helping shape who I am today with building relationships with students. And that is how I go about advising and helping with study hall and stuff. And that that's the number one thing. And I'll never forget that. And that will always be a part of me. How is the job now different than you expected when you started pursuing it as a career? Um, I think something that's different 
what I didn't expect is that my passion for education would just increase like tenfold, just how important education would be. I think that I always took both of my parents and all of my grandparents went to college. And so to me, it was always just expected that I go to college. And so I think I learned that a lot of families, that is not true. We graduate a lot of first-generation student athletes and those are my one of my favorite um, types of people to help because it's the first time, which is super exciting and that's helping change generations. And so just learning about that and just learning about how our education system just fails um, students across the board from such a young age and my passion for that as well in helping advocate in that avenue. So just learning how much education can help people and how some people do not have access to that education from a young age um, has definitely increased since this job. I also, um, I just never knew I could love a job so much. I think I was afraid. When I was in high school, I had so much medical things going on that I didn't think I would live past my college years. So I never really thought that I would um, get this far and have a job. And so I never envisioned what that would be for me. And I love my job so much and it's so much a part of me. And I never thought that it could be like that, that you could love a job this much. So that has grown in me as well. Never thought you'd live past college or yeah, did I hear that right? Yeah, I never thought that I would live past college. There was, I had a concussion and then I was seeing doctors for other just random things that popped up. So yeah, I just, I never thought I would live past college. Well, thank goodness you did. Yes, so here I am. I've noticed over the last year or so that you've become a pretty outspoken advocate for societal change and social justice. Why is that near and dear to you? Yeah, so, uh, in order to get a full-time job in this profession, you typically have to get a master's degree. And so it can be in pretty much anything. So when I was at South Carolina, I asked if it was okay if I did the social work program because that was just something that long-term, I love helping people. And so I thought that that would be a really good fit for me. It's just a 60 hour program in most grad school programs are about 30 hours and they're like, yeah, that's fine. So I had to work really, really hard to get that degree while also being a grad student. So I could not have gotten that degree if I did not love it. And so I love helping people and that has what has brought me to these social issues. And then I learned so much more about them in grad school that I think when anyone learns the in-depths of the social injustices that exist, I just don't know if you can ignore it. So um, my passion has just grown so much for it. And I just have learned from a young age, like doctors would just kind of run over me a little bit and that you have to, like advocacy is very, very important. And 
when you're down in the low spots, you can't always advocate for yourself. So I try my best and I know that I'm not always the best at it, but I try to always be my best to be an advocate for those who are advocating for themselves to help amplify their voices and also advocate for those who are not. I just really love people and I want everyone to be the best that they can be and to be taken care of. And so I just like, whenever I meet someone, I, I just mentally figure out what we have in common. So automatically I am like, oh, we're kind of similar. We have this in common. And then when I learn more about them, I'm just really good at putting myself in someone else's shoes to like see the world from their perspective. And so I think that is also what makes the social injustice um, in me just so the love for it so much greater is because I can see from people's perspectives how it must be hurting them so much and I just don't want them hurting. Riley, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is tough. Tough? What is your least favorite word? Man. Like yeah. you don't like people addressing you as yes ma'am, no ma'am? Uh, yeah, no, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, but I, um, I understand that it's like a sign of respect, but I really dislike it because where I'm from, it's really disrespectful to call like young people, ma'am, it's like for your elders. So, um, but I know that it's like the respect here. So I, I'm fine with it. I just really dislike (laughs) the word. No calling Riley, ma'am. Got it. Yeah, I also just like to be called Riley, not Miss Riley, but that's something that is fine too. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? Um, I think I get inspired a lot by the people who are going through hard times. Um, my 600 pound life is actually a big inspiration for me. <laughs> Um, I know a lot of people are just like, Riley, you're crazy, but it's just like people have lived this lifestyle for so long and then they're just able to change it so fast. And that is so inspiring to me because I feel like I get set in my habits and it's so hard for me to change sometimes. So I'm really inspired by that. I'm also just inspired by our students as well. They've um, overcome such big things and just being able to see them in the day to day and like in the years we've seen them and how much they've grown and like accomplished so much. Like, I love that as well. What is the last book you read for fun? So I actually read a book this weekend, but I'm really bad at remembering specific names. I think it was called The Flight. What is your worst habit? Hmm, I feel like I have a lot of bad habits, but I feel like my worst one is not waking, like not getting out of bed when my alarm goes off. What app on your phone gets the most use? Messages or podcasts, actually. I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. Is the PCAST one of them? It is for sure. (laughs) What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? 
Um, when I was driving home from babysitting my senior year of college and my mom called that my brother had unexpectedly passed away and then I had to drive the rest of the way to my apartment, which was like 20 minutes. So that it was terrifying because I um, didn't think he was going to pass away. And then I had to somehow get myself to where I could like process more and not like get in the car wreck on the way home. What is your idea of happiness? Being around the people I love and the people who love me. What is your idea of misery? Not being around people at all. What makes you self-conscious? A, a lot of things. Um, I think that I talk very quietly, but I don't realize it because in my head I'm talking normal. So I, I talk very quietly and I don't realize it. So that makes me self-conscious. What is the most embarrassing song you love? So Juice World is my favorite artist, so you should listen to it if you haven't, especially the last album. The one before, the ones before it are a little bit sketchy, but yeah, he's my favorite. How would you prefer to die? I would like to die without me knowing it's going to happen and before I'm like, before I have dementia, so somewhere in between there. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? So I have a dog who's the love of my life. So he lives a really great life. So I feel like him because he literally just chills all day and uh, cuddles with my roommate and I, and then goes for walks three times a day, gets to go to the dog park, goes on hikes, gets fed. I feel like that's a pretty great life. So my dog, Gunner. What might prompt you to lie? If it would somehow help the other person not feel terrible. What makes you hopeful? our students and just the people around me. Like whenever I talk to people, I just see the good in them when I talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. And so even if the lives of the world's events are scary, I think one-on-one -on -one people, there's good in people, so we're good. What is our purpose in life? To love and help each other. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you'd ask our next guest? Hmm. What is the strangest food you've ever eaten? What's yours? Well, I eat a lot of weird things, which I didn't realize was weird until I went to college. Oh, not like weird things. Like I eat pasta without sauce. I Just eat a plate ice full cream. of noodles? Yeah, 
I thought that was normal, but apparently it's not. I also eat ice cream for dinner because, you know, if That's you eat. totally fine. Okay, thank you. Yes, breakfast too sometimes. Like, ice cream can be any type of meal. So, um. You lost uh, me at breakfast. You had me at dinner. You've never woken up on a Saturday and been like, you know what I want right now? Ice cream. I've never even been asked to ponder that question before. I don't think I have. Oh, well, maybe you should try this Saturday. It's really life-changing. It starts your Saturday off really well. Ice cream for breakfast. You know what? We're going to try that out this Saturday. Yes, that makes me happy. Last week, Bucky Williams asked, what motivates you to get up every day? So I need a big motivator because I'm really bad at getting out of bed in the morning. So I think it's kind of cheesy, but I really just love my job and love the people that I work with, like Haley, Ryan, and Katie, they're my family. Like I, when we had to work from home, I was so sad because I couldn't come in and see them and I couldn't see the students in there who I um, like live and work for, like why I get out of bed because I'm getting out of bed to go to work. And although sometimes I don't want to get out of my warm bed because it's cold out, I wouldn't want to get out of bed for any other reason than to come see them and come see our students. So what's next for you? What's your future hold? So I do think about that occasionally and I just, I love where I'm at now. I love Austin P. I love what the great things we have going here. Um, I think in the far future that I want to do something that helps people. And before I was talking about education, I might want to be like an advocate for um, education starting in the early ages so that we can start things off great on the front end so that some of these things that we see trickle down in the end um, in like the college years don't even happen because we're stopping it in the beginning. I've thought about that before. Um, I don't really, all the jobs I want, you don't really get paid for, so. <laughs> Um, I don't think you can get paid for that. So I don't know, just something, I just love people. So something that involves relationships with people, but I'll definitely be an academic advisor for a while. But when I'm a little older, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up. <laughs> I've never heard of that particular kind of job, but if anybody's going to do it, it feels like it would be you to, to really break through there and, and make that a reality. I try. I seem shy, but when I'm passionate about something, I make my voice heard. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. When I was at South Carolina, they had advocates that were somehow paid. I just don't know how. So hopefully it wasn't a sketchy way. Well, bring it to Tennessee. Well, it'll probably be a sketchy way to get you paid, but, you know, everybody makes a living somehow. Yeah, true. If we're changing people's lives, then, you know. For the better, too. Yes. Riley, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day today. I really appreciate it. I really had a lot of fun. Of course, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you.
Riley Point for coming on, giving us a few minutes out of her day and out of a busy week for her in the academic services department. As we begin our march forward into this week, we've already got some changes afoot for the Thursday doubleheader against UT Martin. Men's game moved to 3 p.m. Women's game. 6 p.m. Keep an eye out on letscopy.com and all the Austin B social media channels for up to the minute changes for you. This is a very odd week for men's basketball with back-to-back, back-to-backs. Martin on Monday, Martin on Thursday, SEMO on Saturday, followed by SEMO again next Tuesday. Thanks, COVID scheduling. You've been great. Nothing like four games against the same two teams. Nothing like four games against the same two teams who are ostensibly bottom feeders in the league, except for the part where one of them Beat us on Monday night, so uh, let's let's uh, let's get to the old revenge enacting portion of this event. I would also enjoy the revenge enacting portion of the event. Why is that? Because you know we don't like losing. Well, don't like losing. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, I was, I was doing something sense. on the computer while, <laughs> while I was talking, and I, I didn't realize you were done. Losing, bad. No like it. Nope, not for me. Not for me. Think, thinking, okay, uh, think, thinking ahead for the, the hoops, you got, any, you got any thoughts on your weekend for the, the ladies? Yeah, big, big weekend for the ladies. Uh, if you want to go look at the OVC conference standings right now, the top two or the top three teams of the OVC based on winning percentage, UT Martin one, Austin P two, Southeast Missouri three. Who do we play this weekend? Martin and SEMO. So uh, league leading Skyhawks on Thursday. Um, they're a women's team, kind of like our men's team. When they're coming in, there's one, one person you kind of got to look at to begin with, and that's Chelsea Perry. She was named to the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year watch list last week. She's averaging 25 points a game, which ranks fifth in the NCAA. However, she has not played in UT Martin's past three games. I do not know if she will be playing or not tomorrow. That makes a difference in that game. It does make a difference in that game. See you also on Saturday. Seymour's uh, good, too. If Chelsea Perry's not the best player in the league, Seymour's TJ Thompson is, so. Big weekend for the Govs can pick up a lot of ground in the standings. Could put themselves in the driver's seat. Hmm. Hmm. Little little challenge for the old top spot in the league. Wouldn't that be nice? For little, little challenge for the old top spot. Wouldn't that be interesting? Be nice. Also got some tennis coming along this weekend, I believe, don't we? Yeah, the men play first, I believe. The men play on. Nope, the women play Saturday. Nope, never mind. The women play Sunday at Chattanooga. And the men play Saturday. I've, nope, I got that backwards. Okay, let's try this all again. You're doing terrific 
terrific job, tennis SID. <laughs> the men, the men play at 6 p.m. Saturday night against IUPUI in Evansville. It's a home match for the Gov, looking to get in the W column against the Jaguars. And then the women are going to play Sunday against Chattanooga. I don't have a time for that match, but uh, I don't think the Lady Govs care what time it happens because uh, they do one thing, and that's that's beat people at tennis. That, that doesn't matter what time it says that match starts. When the Govs take the court to play the tennis, it's winning time. Yeah, uh, they've got that team. I mean, haven't played since January 24th. I don't imagine it affects them too much. Yeah, just a little bit of rest. Baseball and softball schedules came out this very week, which I know you're probably thinking, boy, that seems late. And it probably is. But, you know, this is a weird season. Technically, right? it is. Yeah. No, it's so, very weird. So trying to get as close to a full schedule in for both of these teams as possible. I think it's a 55 for the baseball team and a 54 for the softball team. Is that correct? That sounds right. Baseball's got a pretty nice little schedule uh nice little non-conference start to the season gonna kick it off at dallas baptist uh nationally that'll separate dallas the baptist. men from the boys right off the bat yeah they, they they play some baseball down there at dallas baptist um i can't like i can't name any dallas baptist baseball on my off the top of my head i know no Syndergaard was committed there but they're always good i mean we recruit yeah Texas they baseball. are it's routinely hard. i mean when, when you're recruiting texas for baseball it's hard to hard to not be good yeah, they're, they're routinely, they're one of those like Rice and um, I think there's another just Texas, Texas school that eludes me. Yeah, the, you know, they may not have a whole lot else, but they're going to be pretty good at the old baseball. Age. Then another cool game, uh, the Govs are going to go to Cary, North Carolina, going to play at the USA Baseball Complex against Army. That will be a cool one. The old, I, I, the old United wish, States Military Academy. I wish we could be there for that. I wish they got to come here. That would also be cool. Or do a home and home. I think a home and home would be. Awesome. I would love to go to West Point for a baseball game. It'd be a lot of fun. That, and they're gonna. As two noted history buffs, I think we would have a good time with that. Which is probably kind of antithetical to what we would be there to actually do. But still, baseball team wraps up non-conference with a trip to Northwestern State and Natchitoches, Natchitoches, Louisiana. Natchitoches, I think, is how it's said. I, I don't know. Where, I have where, not... Whatever it is, they're going to go down there and play Northwestern State before they get into OVC play. Got a couple uh, SECs on the schedule as well. Vandy's on the schedule. Um, who's the other one I saw? Uh, for baseball, I think yeah. it's just Vanderbilt. They play Arkansas State. They play Bellarmine. They play North Alabama. Oh, Ole Miss. That was it. That was the other one. Yeah. Speaking of Ole big Miss time SEC matchups, uh, softball team's going down to Knoxville. That will be a big one. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing softball. You know, I think both of those programs, baseball and softball, last year in talking to their kids and and talking to them in the immediate aftermath of the seasons being canceled and everything else, there was a real feeling out of both of those teams that, like, you know, because I think both of them were right around 500 at the time. And they both said that with this is individual players, but I think it's a prevailing sense across both teams of, you know, we were just starting to really find ourselves and get our feet under us and 
scratching the potential of what we could be. And so I think that both of those teams are going to be pretty committed to proving that they are to be reckoned with when it comes to the OVC this year. It'll be fun. A lot of fun. I like winning. Winning. It's a good time. You know it's a bad it time? A good time. What is a bad time? <laughs> Trevor Bauer decided he'd rather go be a oh. Dodger than a Red. Oh. Well. Look, you don't have to you don't have to be I like, oh, Trevor Bauer's blabity blab. You don't have to. He's coming. not your guy anymore. I, you can you like can him. think he's kind of a turd with the rest of us. No, he's fine. Uh, glad he didn't go to the Mets because they deserved it. I had a whole rant I was planning about Mets fans if he had gone there, but uh, they didn't deserve it. The Dodgers just added the reigning okay. Cy Young I'll give you, winner. I'll give you a piece. What, I'll give you a piece of my Mets The Mets fans and this whole "woe is me, we're the Mets" act is a whole bunch of garbage. You know why? The Mets have been to the World Series twice in my lifetime. Once in the past six years. They've got Francisco Lindor, Jacob DeGrom, and Noah Syndergaard, who the Reds don't have any of those guys. We haven't won a playoff series in my lifetime, but the Mets think they're the franchise that has it rough. They couldn't handle being a Reds fan. The Mets could not handle it. A Mets fan would crumble as a Reds fan. That's all. They've been to the World Series twice in my lifetime. I'm tired of hearing about the Mets and how rough they have it. Bunch of garbage. Bunch of garbage. <laughs> Your argument, let me see if I got the, the essence of this. Your argument is, ugh, Mets fans don't know suffering. I know suffering. Well, they, it's it's not that I'm, like, I, but they act like they have it just tougher than anybody else in Major League Baseball. And all I see is Mets fans complaining on Twitter, complaining on Twitter. They've been to the World Series twice in the past 24 years. Didn't win Once in the past six. They've been. They've won a playoff series, at least. They make trades for guys like Francisco Lindor instead of signing wait, 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 wait. Gordon to play shortstop. Wait, wait, wait. The Reds traded for Bauer less than two years ago? Yeah, and it didn't work. Yes, it did. He won Met, a Cy Young. The and Mets then you didn't bother to pay him. The Mets traded for Lindor, and they're going to re-sign him. The Reds trade for players and then let them walk away and re-sign players like D. Gordon. D. Strange, Strange Gordon. That sounds. That that sounds like, I don't I don't even D. Strange Gordon just is weird. I don't understand the. I mean, I understand that people have their names all the time. It just there's something about the way that rolls off the tongue that feels weird to me. Strange. Yeah, you might even know. say it feels a little strange. Yeah, I did say that. You you didn't like my joke. No, dad jokes are meant for fathers. You're not a dad. <laughs> okay, sure. Any other baseball persiflage that you'd like to to roll um, over? It's going to be the worst short team at shortstop in the history of baseball. That's not true. No, it's currently Kyle Farmer, Kyle Holder, and D. Strange Gordon. So, yes, it is. I don't know who those other two people are. I've never heard of them. Kyle Farmer has uh, two shorts at shortstop for the Reds in the postseason. You know who doesn't? Jose Garcia, our number one prospect shortstop. But whatever. That's whatever. Hey, careful not to sound bitter about the whole thing. Whatever. Kyle Farmer. 
going to be our starting shortstop. Must Steve Strange Gordon. Why play? <laughs> As we return closer to home, obviously be on the lookout for community service opportunities courtesy of Haley Meyer and our academic and student support staff. They've got all that information. Be on the lookout in your email each week for Ryan Combs' updates on seminars and other things for you to enjoy. I missed my spot on the February 9th seminar for quarantine-related reasons. Had I been on at about 7.35, you all would have enjoyed a naked three-year-old streaking through the screen. <laughs> that would have been would have been entertaining. It would have been educational. Get in touch, stay in touch with us via the web and the socials. Casey, how can they do you can that? follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or you can follow along on our official Facebook account called Austin T. Governors. Uh, on all of those platforms, you can check out the work, the work our friends Eric and Robin are doing. Or our, our friend, friend Robin, Robin. Our liaison, our, Eric. Our social media colleague, Eric. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody, Bush, and myself. Uh, keep an eye there. That's probably where there will be information pertaining to time changes, if times they are changing. Yeah, if there was a women's basketball game that was going to be played at a different time than 4.30 tomorrow, you would learn about it on Twitter and Instagram or at letscopy.com. You know what else you can do online is uh, you can get the tickets because you're going to need the tickets to come watch the Govs here soon. You know how you're going to get the tickets? You're going to get in contact with our ticket guru, Johnny Mitchell. He's got all the information you can use to get oh, the game. Oh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Got the, the main guy in the ticket office now? Get his real name you. Got, got, it's it's locked in. You, you guys holler at Johnny Mitchell now. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, directly on the website at letsgopeat.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. If you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we shout out. Send suggestions for what I should do for 10 days with a three-year-old aside from watch Scooby-Doo and play with trucks. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Shout out Jayla's dad. Shout out Steve Willard. Shout out Bud Jenkins. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Good. DJ I'm a, I'm a heavyweight. You a, you a featherweight. I'm a, I'm a heavyweight. You a, you a featherweight.